Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Liz Moody Podcast. I'm your host, Liz Moody, and I'm a best-selling author and longtime journalist. This podcast is all about helping you live your healthiest, happiest life, whether we're learning what to eat for longevity, discussing how to create our dream sex lives, or talking about radical new therapy methods. And yes, those are all real episodes, so if any of those topics sound good to you, they are linked in the show notes. We are back today with another advice episode where every single month I'm joined by very special guests and we answer all of your questions. If you haven't listened to the last one with Tiffany Thiessen, definitely scroll back and have a listen. We get into all things eating well on a budget and utilizing leftovers to fight food waste, embracing aging, reinventing your career, and so much more. You can always send any questions that you want answered to ask at lizmoody.com or I will be taking questions on Instagram the last week or so of every month, so be on the lookout for that. And today, I am very excited to say that our special guest for this advice episode is the lovely, brilliant Heidi Gardner. Heidi has been a cast member on Saturday Night Live since 2017. She is actually the longest-running current female cast member, and she's just an incredibly smart and funny woman. She's been in movies and TV shows like Otherhood, Hustle, Veep, The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, Superstore, Girls 5 Eva, Shrinking, and so much more. On this advice episode, I feel like we really get to see a different side of Heidi and get to know her a little bit better. We get into a game plan for working through a breakup and how to best support friends going through one, how to learn to like sports. This is me asking my personal advice, but she gave really good advice about it. So if you want to become a sports fan, this episode will help you out. We get into tips for staying healthy and sane, even with a crazy schedule. We get into behind-the-scenes secrets from SNL, how to handle moments of failure and rejection and come out stronger on the other side, genius tips for public speaking, pragmatic ways to actually live in the present moment, how to figure out the best career for you, Even if it's later in your life, it is never too late and so much more. As always, we would both love to hear your thoughts as you're listening. We'd love to hear what advice you would give if you agree or disagree with our advice. So definitely screenshot and tag us on Instagram. I am at Liz Moody and Heidi is at Heidi L. Gardner. I have been a huge fan of Heidi's amazing comedy skills for years, but I was blown away by how good her advice was and how generally lovely she was to talk to. I feel like so many of us are in the same situations that we talk about here, going through life transitions, wanting to support our friends dealing with that stuff, trying to figure out how to live our best lives at all different ages. So if you think anything would resonate with someone you love, please send them a link. Also, this is just a fun, funny episode because Heidi is a fun, funny person. So I hope you enjoy. I'm so excited to be here with you. We were just talking off air about you've recently gone through this big life transition, which you can say as much as you would like about that, and that you learned and grown and used that time to work on yourself. So I'd love to kick off with that. Yeah. Sadly, I went through the end of a relationship, which it feels weird to say end because I also know... That person will always be in my life and it will transform in a different way, you know, sending them all the like love and respect in the world that I still have for them. But it was just a couple year period of transition and grief and hope and loss and all of those things. But I will say that during that time, 
I feel like I never wasted a day in getting to know myself, becoming a better version of myself and becoming a better friend and future partner, I think. And that's just been a really cool reward out of something that was very painful and uncomfortable. And I will say the biggest thing I learned in that time is lean on the women in your life and your girlfriends. I already had amazing friends and family, but I will just say that women showed up in such an incredible way and showed me that in future relationships, my romantic partner, I learned does not need to be my emotional rock. Oftentimes, the women in my life just know better things to say and better ways, I think, to love me and take care of me in some of those moments. Of course, a partner, a romantic partner can do that too. And my other piece of advice is like to accept care and food (laughs) everywhere. You know, I just had so many friends that were just like, do you want to come over for dinner tonight? Can I make you something? Can I make you a cocktail? And just in a time where you're missing someone or you're longing for something or you've gone through a loss, like to be taken care of is just an ultimate gift. And so I just say, say yes to that. I know there's so many different ways of eating, but just like say yes, no matter if it's not even on your track at the time, like say yes to chicken tenders, mac and cheese, your friend's kids dinner. I said yes to like dinosaur chicken nuggets all the time. I can't imagine (laughs) not saying yes to dinosaur chicken nuggets. I was going to ask, what was the most helpful thing that your friends did in that time? Because I feel like a lot of us want to be that supportive friend, but it can be hard to even know what to do. Yeah. You know what? I was able to like break down my friends like I'm a big sports fan so different players on like a sports team and they all had their different roles like there are girls that are just like ride or die me like whoever my past relationship was with it's like oh we're team Heidi you know no matter what and that's incredible there were friends that knew how badly I wanted something and so they were like I want what you want there's sometimes I don't agree with that like as your friend but If it's healthy for you and you believe that, I want what you want. And there were days when I needed to turn to them, you know? And there were days when I needed the ones that were just ride or die me. So I think what I like to do as a friend, having gotten that experience, and also relationships we all know, no matter what kind of relationships, they're up and down. With your partner, one day you are going to love them more than anything, and you're going to be praising them to your friends. And On some days, they're going to feel like your worst enemy and you're going to be cursing them to your friends. But I always like to provide a safe space for my friends where, yeah, I let them know I'm team you. And if you're team that person, your partner, I'm going to be on their team too if they're loving you. So I always like to create a safe space so that no one ever feels shame about like if they were just like throwing their partner under the bus one day and then they're like, yeah, but today is sweet. I'm like, tell me everything. I just want every part of you and for you to feel safe. And that I feel like is a great friend during all of that. I love the idea of just being like, I am team you. And even saying that, making that just abundantly clear, because I do think sometimes we can get nervous to vent to our friends because we don't want to turn them against our partner for the time when we're coming back. And if you're Friends are just like, no, no, I'm team you. Yeah. In the moment you're venting, in the moment that you're praising your partner, it makes it so much easier. I think so. And then you said that you didn't waste a day. What were you doing like specifically during those days? I mean, there's days that felt really painful where you can't lean on that person anymore. So I did need to 
listen to podcasts. Thank God for everything you do. Like I listened to yours. You just see titles of episodes and you're like, okay, this might help me today. And then that leads you to a book that might help. And I really needed that. I really needed books and podcasts and wisdom from all sorts of people. And you know what was really cool is there was one day, probably like five months ago when I I was just texting a friend about this. It was two years of that for sure. And I've always been like a grower wanting to evolve. So I've always been into self-help. But about four months ago, I had gotten back to New York. I spent the summer in Kansas City where I'm from. And I looked at my nightstand and it was just like stacked 10 books high of just self-help, relationship help, being a better you, being the one, amazing books, lighter, all these books that I love. And I just threw them all in the trash. And I was like, I I will always do the work. I know that about myself, but I've done the work and it's time to start taking all that stuff and going out in the world and living it. And I can't just keep looking for a quote or someone else's experience. Now I have to do it. But I am so grateful for that wisdom. And I also know there's going to be books and podcasts that will always stick out like a sore thumb. And I'll be like, I have to listen. I have to read. But it was time. Now I've got like a fiction book on my nightstand. I also got tingles when you said you just threw away the stack of self-help books because I do think it's like I've learned, I've assimilated, and now I'm going to make that information my own and I'm going to live my own life. It's like, are you living almost by somebody else's narrative, which sometimes we need to do. Like I think that it's so interesting when Joan Didion was learning to write, she would literally copy word for word Hemingway novels so that she could find her own voice. And sometimes I find reading self-help and listening to podcasts like that where you assimilate the information, you're looking for your own narrative, but then it's like you found your own story. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And I always felt like I'm like looking for a quote. I'm looking for the paragraph that's going to change everything. And it's never just that. It's like an assimilation of so many things and also the certain things I needed in the moment going through the ending of something. Sometimes I would listen to podcasts that were telling me like, okay, well, things end, but don't worry. Like they always come back. There were times where I needed to hear that stuff, where I needed to still have hope for that week, that two weeks. Thank you to those people who put that out. And I hope that people get those results in the world too. Yeah, it was just so many things like that. So good job on what you do too. Cause it's very, very helpful. I remember taking long walks through Brooklyn and I was listening to your podcast. Oh, that yeah. is so sweet. That <laughs> makes me so happy. Yeah. I also think it's interesting the assimilation of information. I just had this experience of going on book tour and I was speaking the information from my book. And at that point I had done research for a podcast interview. I had interviewed the expert on the podcast. I'd read through all my transcripts. I'd written a book based on that information. I'd given interviews based on that information. And then I was speaking it during this tour. And only in that last step did it start to kind of sink in in this deep way. And I found myself making changes to my life, to my routines, to my habits on this book tour for information that I'd had for years. And it was such a reminder to me that we need to hear things so many times. We need to have conversations about it. We need to listen to it. We need to read it. We need to engage with it in so many ways. And I think sometimes we beat ourselves up for it, not like, oh, I read this book and I'm not different and I'm not changed and I'm not healed. And it's like, our brains aren't designed to work like that. We need so many touch points. Yeah, that's so smart. Like you need to incubate in it, give yourself the grace of just being like, 
yeah, I mean, it takes a long time to learn a language unless you're a little kid. And we as adults that want to evolve and grow, these are fully new languages. A lot of this stuff for me, this is not how I was raised, taught, a lot of things I didn't even have, just awareness in general. I didn't know I could be aware in my life, you know? You're just running on these patterns sometimes. So I totally, I love that. I'm curious, one of my favorite things about you as a performer is that you're such an astute observer of character nuance, like the characters you create. Everybody's always like, oh my gosh, you nailed this. I see myself in this. You're teenager, like, I'm not going to say who it reminds me of, but like, it's like so dead on, you know? And I'm curious if you've learned things about being a human or about relationships in having to study people in these very specific ways to create these characters. Wow, that's a great question. For sure. One of the things I love about my characters is how emotional they are. And in the moments when I'm playing them, I have three minutes, so they have to be the height of their powers and the height of their emotions. You know, I've always been a people pleaser. And yes, I was funny, but I was quiet. And I think I held a lot in. And I love people who are emotional and characters. I feel like my parents were, and they also had this cast of characters, their friends were such a motley crew that were so their own special butterfly person in the world that when I meet a person like that out in the world now that maybe other people would be like, oh my God, did you hear how loud they laughed? Or they're so loud or like, oh, they're an energy vampire or something. I'm just kind of like, oh, but they're big and they're bold and they're themselves. And I just love that they're not filtering anything for me or you. So I love watching people like that. And I feel like when I get to play a character, like I'm a Leo and I never felt like a lion, but that's the lion, like at her full capacity. I'm a Leo too. It's the best sign. Yeah. Okay, good. Especially cat ladies who are Leos. I just feel like, is there a better type of person in the world? You're right. I love the idea of your job making you more able to embrace the wide range of types that people come in, you know, like instead of having things that, oh, that should cause shame, that should cause embarrassment. You're like, this should be embraced. Has that turned on yourself too? Do you find that you're less self-critical because you embrace all spectrums of human? Wow. I've never thought about it that way. I think the past few years I've been working on being less self-critical just to have a happier existence. (laughs) But I think what you just said is inspiring to be like, oh, like maybe you're a character out there too, like being big and bold and that should be embraced. But I guess I've never put myself into that list. It's hard. I will say I've done so much work on all parts of myself and I just was on national TV for the first time this week. And my first reaction to that was you did not look that cute. And it's so interesting that that's where my brain goes after the amount of work that I've done to be like, your body's for living, not looking. And I've gotten to a place in the three days since it happened where I've been able to be like, what a life experience, like so cool, amazing. But I found it fascinating that my brain first went to self-critique. And I'm curious with you, like when you see yourself on TV, are you able to be comfortable with like how you look, how you sound, all of these things that as women particularly were taught for years to critique about ourselves? Totally. I, for a long time, it was super hard. And I came into this in, in such a just 
different way that I think there were so many unexpected things. And that was one of them, just suddenly seeing yourself and, and being a critical person and then being like, oh, cool. I just so happened to choose something that's difficult in general. The job is on live television every week and you're writing for yourself and the job is just notoriously hard. And then I'm a woman and, you know, think about my appearance. Wow, Heidi, you really <laughs> chose something tough. I was a hairdresser before. I was helping other people with their appearance. So it would take me a long time to watch things, not only like watch performances of mine, not only because of appearance, but just because, you know, you have vision before execution. So I would always have an idea of how like a sketch or a weekend update should go and even if it went great on the show, it might not be just exactly how I thought it was going to be in my head. And that was hard. And I didn't want to take away what I heard from the audience with my own critique. But being someone who, like I said, likes sports, sometimes you need to watch the tape and see, you know, luckily I have a dress rehearsal and then a live show. And so I can see oh, here's what you could adjust a little bit. So I've gotten a little better about watching just to be like, I want to give a better performance. And then there have been some times where I'm just super excited about something I did and I watch it right after. And I don't know, regardless of how I look, there's been a couple characters I've done recently where I'm like, wow, the faces you're making, Heidi, are like, truly horrifying and everyone's seeing them. But I'm like, you are so free right now and you're doing exactly what you want to do. And it feels like you're flying and you weren't caring in that moment how you looked. And when I was watching, even when you were just saying, you know, seeing yourself on like national TV for the first time, I'm sure the little girl you would have just seen that and just been like, whoa. The one year ago me would have seen that and been like, whoa. And I'm really yeah. trying to be cognizant of that. Yeah. And I also love what you say about you are feeling free. It's funny with you talking about the faces that you make. And when I watch your comedy, it almost feels like it's permission giving for me to live in my body. Like it feels like permission to use your body as an instrument and to enjoy it, take yeah. up space. And I feel like everybody watching that has to have the experience of like, oh, you can make silly faces and that can be valuable. Yeah. You're, yeah. Not, you're not having to sit there and just look like, oh, I'm beautiful and that's what my worth is here. Totally. You know? And I think about too, like what I find attractive in people, either romantically or friends or family. And it's legit when people are having fun and smiling. And I think of that just sometimes when, if I want to get more present just in the world, if I'm even in a social situation where I might be, I don't know, a little shy or just have like a little bit of social anxiety, I'll just suddenly remind myself or I'm judging myself that I'm like, Heidi, you're at your best when you're just open and smiling and free and not like it's always so easy to open, but even just giving myself that reminder to open my chest a little bit and be like, if you are thinking about people judging you right now, I bet they wouldn't judge you if you were just smiling and open. And yeah, it's so true. There's literal science about the fact that we like people who are smiling and laughing at us and we think we need to perform. But in fact, people want to feel like they're funny and they're interesting. So giving them the gift of our openness, our self-consciousness makes us worse listeners, worse at engaging all of those types of things. Yeah. Do you still get nervous before shows ever? I do still get nervous, but it is less and less because 
the same note I'd give myself out in the world is just really, Heidi, just have fun. I know it seems scary. I know there's a lot of people watching. Right now, there might be a time where I'm doing like an impression in the cold open or something. And I'm like trying to be like perfect. But, and then I think back about like when former cast members, when they look like they're having fun, I do not really care how their voice sounds like. I feel like people like it the most when people break. Yeah. Do cast members consider it bad when you break? Or do you guys know that the audience enjoys it so much that it's like fine? I don't think anybody considers it bad, but I will say that when my first few years, I saw it as like a sense of pride not to break, you know? And I'm like, Heidi, what was that for? <laughs> Just you being the most serious sketch comedian ever? Like, no, it was like my way of staying rigid and serious and like serious <laughs> about my comedy. And now I just allow myself, if I look over and one of my castmates is being stupid, <laughs> I want to <laughs> laugh at it. And even if I do something that's making me laugh, I'm just like, I want to laugh. I've been in shows when I did comedy before where we're, we were a little too indulgent on that. And it's like, wait, the audience hasn't even gotten on board. They can't even <laughs> understand what the sketch is because you guys are already laughing. Like, you know, hone your powers when necessary. But yeah, now I'm down to laugh for sure. I'm going to get into advice questions in a second, but I do okay. want to talk about SNL really briefly yeah. because I want to know specifically about how you take care of yourself in the midst of this like insane schedule that is SNL. Yes. So can you set us up by just telling us about the insane schedule that is SNL so people can get an idea? I went down a really deep hole during COVID of like, do you know the behind the scenes YouTube series they did about SNL? Do you know that exists? No. It was released by the show. So it's like official, oh, okay. but it's like they have interviews with like the hair and the makeup and they try to just like go into the stuff. And I also read, have you read Romantic Comedy by? No, but people keep on telling me they're like, did you ghostwrite this? Because it's about a girl in Kansas City and or she's from Kansas oh, City. Oh, I didn't even like, make that connection. Yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah. Are you Curtis Sittenfeld? Um, I'm curious how dead on like it is to right. that. Because it's about an SNL writer who falls in love with a guest star, which oh I, does happen, right? Like there's Emma Stone met her husband, husband yeah. and yeah. I don't know if Scarlett Johansson met Colin Jost at SNL, but it does seem like a little bit of a breeding ground for love. But yeah, tell Definitely. us about the schedule's wild. The schedule's wild. Sunday is your only day off, but you're tired because you were out at the after party, you know, before way into the morning. So Sunday, it's kind of doesn't even count to me as a day off. But Monday's your shortest day of the week. You meet the host and you're kind of starting to figure out what you're going to write. Tuesday is like the writing night, which goes on all night long. So you're a little sleep deprived. Wait, all night long means till 4 or 5 a.m. You might sleep for a couple hours and get up again at like 9 or 10 a.m. to revise your scripts for the read through that day. But when I tell you about self-care, I have boundaries around that now. <laughs> okay. But And then Wednesday, we go in around 2.30. We read all the sketches that are going to be at the table read. You rehearse that. You do the table read. You know, you like work your butt off trying to get your sketches in and your friend's sketches in and performing for like a four-hour table read. Then... We find out what's in the show late that night. If you get a sketch in, you start meeting with production. Here's how I want to look in the sketch, my hair, my wardrobe. Here's what we want for the set. And then Thursday, you're rehearsing all afternoon, night. Friday, you're shooting all the video sketches and doing rehearsals. And Friday is like the day that can start the earliest since it's like all the pre-tape sketches and the rehearsals. So you, you might get picked up at 5.30 a.m., 
do two pre-tape shoots, then go to the studio, rehearse sketches, rehearse the cold open, then have to go to like another pre-tape sketch and not get home till like 3.30. Like I've had a 23-hour day one time at SNL. My circadian rhythm is just like <laughs> shivering listening yeah. to this, especially because it's not consistent. It's not like, oh, you're a night shift. Oh, you're a day shift. It's just all over it's the It's all over. And then Saturday, what's Saturday? Saturday, you get to work around 11, 11.30 and then it's all rehearsals into dress rehearsal, into the show, into the after party, and you're home between 3 and 6 a.m. And before SNL, I was a beautiful sleeper. You know, like I could fall asleep at 10 p.m. and wake up at 8. There is so much incredible science behind red light therapy. There's research going all the way back to 1903 that won a Danish physician a Nobel Prize for showing that exposure to concentrated red light accelerated physical healing. And research from NASA has shown that it boosts the production of growth factor proteins and collagen, among many other incredible things. I am obsessed with red light therapy. It is so science-supported, and I've personally seen huge, huge benefits. I use Bond Charge's Max Red Light Therapy device, which is a red light panel, so I'm not limiting its benefits to my face. I feel like the masks are so popular right now, but I would like to expose my entire body to the red light. That way, it helps with not only my skin, my collagen production, but also increasing energy, decreasing pain, repairing cellular damage, improving mental health and cognitive function, and so much more. You are not spending that much more money to get a panel versus a mask, but you get a much more versatile device with way more powerful effects. Bond Charge's Max Red Light Therapy device gives you professional-grade equipment straight at your home for the best price that I have seen anywhere. You can stand your Max panel on the floor on any flat surface, or you can hang it on the back of a door. It is really lightweight, and it is so easily stored away in the closet when you are done using it for the day. You only need 10 to 20 minutes, so Zach and I actually meditate in front of it naked, uh, but there's lots of ways that you can habit stack it into your routine, so you do whatever sounds good to you. Check out Bond Charge's Max Red Light Therapy device now on bondcharge.com and use my exclusive promo code LizMoody at checkout. Bond Charge products are all HSA, FSA eligible, giving you tax-free savings of up to 40%. And for a limited time on top of that, my listeners will get 15% off when you order from bondcharge.com and use my exclusive promo code LizMoody at checkout. That is B-O-N-C-H-A-R-G-E.com. You will also get free shipping and a 12-month warranty. Go now to get this exclusive offer that is bondcharge.com with promo code LizMoody to get 15% off. Okay, you know what stat blows my mind? People in the U.S. take about 20,000 breaths per day and spend an average of 90%, 90% of their time indoors. And that indoor air can be up to 100 times more polluted than outdoor air, according to the EPA. Indoor air pollutants can cause respiratory symptoms like sneezing, congestion, scratchy throat, and even more serious health problems like lung and heart disease. I talked about this with a world-famous doctor friend years ago, and I was like, it is awful. What do I do? And she said, you need a high-quality air purifier, and you need to keep one in any room that you spend a ton of time in, which is why I am so excited to introduce you to Air Doctor. Air Doctor goes above and beyond the HEPA standard, which requires that 99.97% of particles at 0.3 microns be captured by a filter. 
Air Doctor uses an ultra HEPA filter that was independently tested and proven to remove at least 99.99% of particles as small as 0.003 microns. That is 100 times smaller than the HEPA standard. This includes allergens, pollen, pet dander. For any other pet parents who are allergic to their babies, this makes the biggest difference in my allergies with Bella. Highly recommend for that alone. This includes dust mites, mold spores, and even bacteria and viruses. Also, if you live somewhere that is coming up on potential fires this summer, please, please, please get an air doctor so you have it ready. Breathing in smoke is awful for your lungs. And as somebody who lives in California, it gives me such peace of mind that I have my air doctor ready to go. We have a few, but if you are starting with one, keep it in the bedroom. That way you're breathing great air for at least a third of your life and it'll help you get better sleep, which will have so many downstream positive effects. And as a little bonus extra, it has such a nice white noise sound. It actually helps me fall asleep and stay asleep. Air Doctor comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so if you do not love it, just send it back for a refund minus shipping. Head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code LizMoody, and you'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. And this part is exclusive to Liz Moody podcast listeners. You will receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock in this special offer by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O.com and use promo code Liz Moody. So what are you doing with all of this? Like, how are you keeping a consistent sleep schedule? How are you feeling like a sane and normal human? Mm -hmm. I also know that you've dealt with anxiety. If I slept like that, I would just have panic attacks every day. How do you deal with that? The only way I really deal with anxiety, well, Actually, not the only way, but instead of having like two cappuccinos a day, I'll just have one in the morning and not the afternoon one, even though now it's like sneaking in because I love the ritual of coffee. But sleep schedule wise, I still got to figure that out. It's messed up. And even in the summers, I can kind of get it a little bit back to normal, but I do wake up a lot in the middle of the night. And then especially a month before work starts up again, The amount that I'm waking up at just random hours, like my body's prepping me for a crazy rhythm. Your first couple seasons at SNL, you think that your life just cannot exist outside of there. So, you know, I was not doing therapy. I was not sleeping. I was not eating right. There's candy all around. I'm just eating gummies anytime I can grab. I was way off. And in the last couple of years, I've just made some choices in my life where You know, my friend Sarah has a meal delivery here in New York. It's called Sarah, S-S-E-R-E. And she's an amazing chef that makes pre-made meals. So they come to me pre-made. I order lunches, dinners, and breakfasts. The food's incredible. The ingredients are incredible. She puts like dried flowers on them. I can see the love in it and they taste so good. But what I like about them is I have to either saute them in a pan for 10 minutes or preheat the oven and put them in the oven for 25 minutes. And even though I don't have the time to make a proper meal, I could maybe do that at the beginning of the week, make one big curry and eat the same thing every day. But even the act of me taking the 10 minutes to saute something and feel like I'm doing something nourishing for myself actually makes a big difference. It makes me feel that my life is not just inside the walls of 30 Rock. And 
just to hear like even a sizzle, I'm like, oh, I'm doing something to preheat an oven. Like this is for me. So knowing that I'm eating right has been a giant game changer. I write her all the time and I say, you changed my life because it really feels like that. That's just one area where I was really letting that go my first few seasons, just random eating and grabbing. And now I'm like, I can just be sane and stable and plate my food and sit down. Or I can bring those meals to work and they feel like a home-cooked meal. So that's been a really big one. I do therapy and that's on Mondays and that feels really good heading into the week. I used to talk exclusively about work and now, not that there are things at work that don't still pop up, but you know, I've got that figured out and now my therapy is for other things and that feels really good too. Mm-hmm. You could like sense the progress being yes. made. And every so often we can do a work check-in. So those are two that really help. Do you meditate or anything? I don't meditate. I've gone through phases, but never a very super regular one. I do Pilates. How do you fit that in? Are you like at four in the morning and like on the reformer? I have an amazing coach that I started working with. Her name is Jess. I worked with her over the pandemic over Zoom, and then we just kept it going. She's on the West Coast. I'm on the East Coast, but we make it work, and I just know – I'll try to get one in on Monday when I know my schedule is not as long or mornings on Tuesday or Thursday, which are super early mornings for her. She's great to do that for me. I'm very grateful. But that's another one, like working out. If you would have asked me my first season of SNL, I would have been working out to look good on television. But along with food, I know that like working out and food just make my brain work so much better and help my anxiety. And, you know, that knowledge alone, like the days that I don't want to work out, it's so cool because I get to say to myself, it's actually for your brain. It's not just like this vain thing. And that's fine. There are days where I'm like, oh, I want this because I want to look good. But I'm like, your brain will feel better, Heidi. You will feel better. It's an immediate reward. I could not get myself to work out when I was like lifting up my shirt to check my abs because my abs looked the same like after the workout that day. Mm -hmm. They're not going to change that quickly, if at all. But you definitely feel better. Like you can definitely know it's a less anxious day. I am less stressed today. I sleep better tonight. And that immediate reward is so much more motivating. Okay. Yeah. My first advice question is for me. (laughs) I'm trying to learn to like sports. Okay. (laughs) Yes. Can you convince me why they're good? Okay. So yes, I can. And You are a good reminder. I'm like thinking about maybe teaching a class to women about why sports is fun. I feel like Taylor's doing a lot of great work. Yes. The part that appeals to me is getting to experience emotion in mass, which might sound weird, but I love the idea of like a community crying and laughing and cheering together, but I can't get into the game. I want to just like cry with people? Yes. So you do need to get in the game just so you know (laughs) what's going on because that's going to really help. I'm lucky because my mom liked football and her boyfriend did when I was really little. And so I learned the game. But you know, when I watch golf, I don't really understand it. And it can be boring just watching something. You have no idea what's going on. But women like you, I need to teach them what's going on in football because what I love about football is whether any sport, actually, whether you're at the stadium or at home, I think it's such a good hang. Like there's something on in the background that's so entertaining that everyone can check in with, but 
you're in a community where everyone's feeling the same thing, rooting for each other, against each other. But you're also catching up on things. You're eating together. It's not like getting together to watch like a movie where you'd be like, shh, like yeah. we're missing the good part. Yeah. Like you can check in and there's every so often when there's like a really super important play where they shut up, shut up, shut up. Okay. <laughs> but I just love the community. And then that feels the same way if I go to a basketball game with a girlfriend or something and she might not be as into basketball. We're catching up with each other just like we would at dinner. But there's this incredible entertainment going on right across from us with these superhero athletes where you're just seeing, you know, the best of the best right in front of you. And also I say this in a really respectful way, the best of the best in physical specimens. Like there's some athletes I look at where I'm gawking at their body because the discipline that went into it and you're a literal superhero in front of me, just seeing like veins and a calves, like pulsing the way they do. I cannot believe I'm seeing that in front of me. The idea of having the game on and being able to catch up is really appealing to me because I have social anxiety. And so when you're just like out at a bar and you're like, oh, I'm going to have to carry on the conversation every single moment for two hours, the entertainer in me turns on and I feel the pressure of keeping this really great conversation going. And I love like getting together for work dates or going on vacation with friends where you have these little conversations, but it's throughout the day and with all this other stuff going on, you can fall into silence whenever you want. It feels like sports is that. Is that true? Totally. Okay. Yeah. You don't have to do all the work. The work is in front of you. If you're socially anxious, go watch sports with your friends. Totally. Okay. Anything else? Where should we start if we want to get into sports? Okay. My gosh. I mean, I would say it sounds like you like what Taylor's doing. You're watching. And I don't know how into. I am a uh, New Heights fan. I haven't haven't made it to the games like watching yet, but I love the brotherhood. I think it's very sweet. Well, also it's And I'll watch that clip where one of them won the Super Bowl and then the other one didn't. And like the mom comes down and like it makes you cry. And he's like, go go talk to Trav, mama. And it's like just this like the emotional stuff. So good. Well, also when something like that happens in a season, and that was rare, two brothers in the Super Bowl. But things like that do happen in sports. And my brother, Justin, we always say, it's the best reality television. You can't write that. Like, yeah. someone will write that one day. Someone will write that Super Bowl where the Kelsey brothers will. And the thing is, it. nobody would believe it except for the fact that it happened. I People know. would be like, oh, that's a, too crazy of a story. That won't fly with watcher, with viewers. Totally. And then the fact that it happened, people would be like, nope, it will. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if this job exists. This is my dream job. So, you know, you talking about Jason Kelsey being like, go talk to Trav mom or something. I would love to be the hugger on the sidelines for the teams that do not win. And I also don't like that the networks always like shoot to the guys or girls like with their heads down in defeat or sad. Maybe they don't want it in that moment, but I want to be there and just be like, you're so awesome. You had like a great season. It's never just one play. It's never just one game. It's like a season. You know, my brother and I talk about our teams, the Chiefs, and there have been times when they've lost and like, I'm actually on a text chain with both my brothers and like ones being like, ah. Oh. F this or F that. My brother Justin will be like, look at the season they just gave us. Like, look at all the times we got to hang out as a family, the games we got to go to, the times we got excited. Like, yeah, every moment can't be a winning moment. But so I just want to like hug all (laughs) players and be, be sweet to them and let them know like they are superheroes. They're getting us through like 
certain seasons of life, the fall and winter and football, like the cold season. These football players are out in the cold doing it for us. I have an advice question about that, but I have to ask, are your brothers like unwell that you played Travis Kelsey's ex-girlfriend in a sketch? So they came out for that show and it was the coolest thing in the world because when we go watch the Chiefs at Arrowhead Stadium, we tailgate or we grew up tailgating. And I did a tailgate in my dressing room before the show where an actual Kansas City Chief was hosting the show. And I just kept on saying to my brothers, I was like, okay, listen, I know it's weird that the stars aligned so much where I'm on SNL. And so that part is weird. But I was like, let's even throw that away for a minute. And let's just like focus on the fact that a Kansas City Chief is hosting SNL and we are in the building. Didn't you like petition for him to be on though? Yeah. Like, and he did so well. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Taylor watched that and that was the first like inkling in her head of like, oh, he's like not just a football player. He's really charming, really funny, et cetera, you know? I'm like- You might be responsible for their relationship. I don't want to (laughs) like- Okay, I'll take it. (laughs) I'll take it. I'll take whatever comes with that. But yeah, I kept saying because just three weeks prior he'd won the Super Bowl and I'm like dude like you won the Super Bowl and then you came in and you won SNL that's very cool it is very cool (laughs) do you get starstruck at all or are you like chill I do get starstruck I'm trying to think of the last time when Eddie Murphy hosted I was pretty speechless when athletes host I'm pretty like uh I've learned just as part of my job to I guess kind of play it cool but when it's someone from Like my childhood or the movies or TV I was watching a lot when I was a kid, I let myself have that week to be a fan. Do you tell them? Like, will you say, oh, wow, I like your work was really important to me? Like, is that annoying to really, really, really famous people or? I don't know if it's annoying. Most people I've dealt with, even when I compliment them, are modest. Like most people can take a compliment. I'm just learning how to. But I always think, well, what? do you do with that? Like, yes, I know I did that really well. But you know, like people are just so gracious in a compliment. So occasionally when I'm telling someone like effusively how much something they did meant to me, I think I'm putting a lot on them. So I don't ever think anyone seems annoyed. It's just kind of like, I don't know how to react to how (laughs) nice you're being to me right now, which I think feels human. Yeah. I mean, it must be honestly quite humanizing because not only are you meeting all of these incredible famous people, like some of the most famous people in the world, but you're meeting them almost in this environment where they're like a little bit of a fish out of water and they're trying their best at this new thing that's kind of hard and scary. Is that like super humanizing of these people that we pedestalize? Absolutely. And that's been just as I've been there now for a while, this new role that I've ordained on myself, no one told me I need to do this, but the more comfortable I've gotten there, I've also been like, oh, wait a second. This like extremely huge movie star that is the most charming person in the world is a total fish out of water this week. And yes, part of my job is being funny and performing, but another cool part of my job is to make this person feel comfortable and let them know the things that I've cultivated and learned in, you know, seven years now, try to give them as much of that as I can in a week. Just little things where I'm like, hey, the first rehearsal out there is going to feel messy. Like, You're going to go from having felt on the top of the world, like at the table read when a sketch kills, and then the first time you're rehearsing it and it's on its feet and it's messy and no one's really laughing because you're figuring out the blocking and you're like, does this work? You're going to go from feeling really good to really bad to really good again to really bad to all the way up until the show. And that is so normal. And 
our job and the producers and Lauren's job, we are all wanting you to look the very best. So just know that even when it feels bad, a million people behind the scenes are just doing everything they can to make you look good. And it's just so comforting to know that like we all do that. Like I tell myself sometimes when I'm nervous, like, well, everybody poops, but like, (laughs) it's a similar thing. You know, everybody gets nervous. Everybody wants to feel safe. Everybody wants to feel their best. And I think that is just like comforting. We're all human. I want to ask you about the hugger thing. I'm going to ask you an advice question about that, Yeah, which is that you self stated that you had maybe the most sketches cut on SNL. So Mm -hmm. you've had these like micro failures that people might not even know about within this like from the outside, your career just looks insane and amazing. And then it's interesting to me that you want to be like the hugger for the person who just lost the game. I'm curious if there's any advice that you would give people for those moments of failures that would make them feel like they could get through them, they could be stronger through them. Yeah, a lot of things. Going through that and having a lot of things cut, it is inevitably painful. It hurts especially when you want people to see you do your thing or something that you thought was really important to you. I will say there's times where I've gone back and I've watched some of those sketches where I think I'm glad that didn't air. I think the show saved me. So to know that sometimes a rejection or a failure is a blessing. I know it's like corny or cliche, but it's true. I think there's an unspoken thing. We're going from dress rehearsal to air really quick. There's Not a lot of time for human emotions in between those things, but there's castmates that just quietly will grab my hand, squeeze it. They know your pain. You know, I think in our own heads, it feels so much bigger than it actually is to anyone else. You know, even you being very kind and complimenting and being like, your career and what's going on, it looks awesome and all these things. And The fact that I would have been just like chewing on the fact I had a sketch cut for like days and days and days. And you didn't know that. So just to remember that it's not as big. It's not what it looks like in our own scattered brains there at the show. And then I will say it takes a little bit of like walking away and then looking back with perspective. But when I did comedy, sketch comedy in L.A. at the Groundlings, Again, I had a lot of sketches that did not work, that got cut, things that I loved. And it just felt like, well, that was for nothing. I like, also, I spent all this money on wigs and costumes and props. <laughs> it was just for nothing. They didn't like it. But when I was auditioning for SNL, I did my first audition and I did 12 characters and I wanted to be undeniable. And I felt really great about that audition, as great as you can. But Then they wanted me to come back to New York a week later and do another test. And it had to be an entirely new audition. And I was like, well, I just gave them like the best of the best. But then I went back and I thought about all my failed sketches. And I was like, wait, this didn't work as a sketch. But the audience liked this character. They liked this line. They liked this thing. Like there's so many things in the map of our lives where it's like might not have been a complete success, but there was something in it. There was like a gem. and. So that second audition, another sports analogy, was my bench. Like, I got to let my bench play. And that's the audition I remember even more because I was like, that's like me. That's the first audition I thought was like the perfect, like pristine version of me. Those bench players were like the Motley Crew, Bad News Bears. And they're the ones that like sealed the deal for me. Like, I think both of those got me the job. Like the pretty parts, the ugly parts, like mix them together and... 
failures, successes. So yeah, in every failure or rejection, there's something to learn. And there's also like a diamond to be mined. Like there's something there. There's something you got from it. Like, I don't know if I'm the person with the most cut sketches. There was a time where it felt like that for sure. So that's why I can proclaim it. But I am sure there will be a point in my life where something will be a little bit easier for me because of that. Or someone will feel a similar way to me and I'll be able to say something to them. I will glean something from this experience. And you don't need to know what that thing is now. Like you did not know that all of those unused groundling sketches would turn into SNL. Yeah. Yeah. I also love what you said about when you were like, I'll be the hugger is like, there's so many great points that that team had on the journey along the way to the quote unquote loss. You know, I, think that about like with my book release, we didn't get New York Times and everybody makes this like huge deal out of the New York Times. And I felt like a loser, like when I didn't get the Times, but there's been so many moments since then and before then. And I think if you make anything about this one little moment, you're just setting yourself up to feel awful rather than like it's a cliche, but like the journey, not the destination. Yeah. I love that quote. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Next advice question. Do you have any tips for public speaking and overcoming fears of being in the spotlight? It is my biggest fear. I sweat and shake and I get so nervous. Oh, well, I just send my love to that listener and who wrote that like I get sweating and being nervous and just feeling like the weight of the world I remember you know like I said I came into this in a really weird way I was not a performer but I did start taking improv classes and then the first time these classes turn into somehow a performance at the end of them I'd been taking this three-month class where I knew at the end of it, I had to go and give a monologue as a character. You know, I wrote it. I knew this was part of the show. And then do a couple sketches, too. But other people would be in those. And I remember being in the wings, like, in a costume. And I was like, you're about to run on this stage and do that. Like, are you really going to do There's people out there. Like, it was suddenly, like wait, you're going to have to do the thing that you said you would do. You didn't think about this. You didn't plan this out right. There's no way you can do this. I will say that I've always thought it was a bit of a flaw, but the Midwest people pleaser that I am helped me in that moment because it was like, I got to give people what they paid for. It's the same way like when I get nervous on SNL, I'm like, this is what I'm getting paid for. This is what you think. I've got to go out there and give you this thing. So that's probably not great advice that you just have to do it. But also, if you're nervous and you're sweating, you know, there's not a lot in that moment that you can't do. But I will say that like what an audience, from what I can tell, loves to see is vulnerability and that someone's comfortable. And even if you're comfortable in your vulnerability, so even if you need to say the thing that everyone's thinking when you first walk out there and be like, you know what, backstage, I was sweating (laughs) and I was really nervous to walk out in front of all of you. And now looking out at all of you, I don't know why that's it is. You're all smiling. I think you even learned that in stand-up. Someone else told me is just to say the thing that everyone else is thinking, you know, put them at ease and it might also put you at ease. And also I heard Seinfeld one time say, and this makes me a better audience member. He was like, if I go to a show And someone's performing for me and they went out there and they planned out all this stuff and they're performing for me. I already love them. 
it might not be like my content or my style of comedy, but like, I love you for doing this. So maybe also just think that like everyone loves you. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. I also love the vulnerability. There's science behind this too, that we think our vulnerability makes people like us less, but science shows that vulnerability is the thing that draws people to us. And I love the idea of just acknowledging that. I did that with my first book tour stop. I did this like one woman show. I don't know why I thought that was a good idea. And I, right before I went out, they were like introducing me and I turned to my husband and I was like, I actively need to like go to the bathroom right now. And he's like, you can't do that. They're introducing you. And I was shaking and I thought I was going to throw up. And I went out and I said like, oh my gosh, I'm so nervous, but like, I'm excited to be here and excited to do it. And then it almost got rid of all of the anxiety. And then after the show, I was like, oh my God, I love this. This is so much fun. Yeah. And I will say that the only way to assuage the nerves about public speaking or performing is to do it. The more that you bank experiences yes. of having done it and not died, yeah. you know, and or not thrown up on stage, the yeah. more you gain that confidence. So I yeah. do think the do it scared applies a lot in that situation. And I bet you handled that perfectly. Also, to even say the like heightened version of that, of letting everyone know, like, I am about to pee my pants. So we're going to see how this goes. Like, well, also would have also made the audience laugh. No, I love that you, I just was like, I'm scared. And you like made it funny. You were like, here's how you turn that into something entertaining. People would love that. But yeah, I also agree. It's like all the reps. I also think about that, about auditioning for SNL, I just think like, oh, as nervous as I was, I was like, you've been getting up on stage so much this past two years. Like you have the reps. And luckily the summer before I tested, I happened to perform in a different city or host a different show. I was getting on different stages that weren't just the one at Groundlings. And so I was like, your feet have been on a different stage. They can be on the SNL one too, you know, like just reps, reps, reps. I love that. I have been looking for a quality fish oil to take myself and recommend to you for years, and I genuinely couldn't find one that met my quality standards. And then I kept hearing from doctors on the pod about how important it was for our brains and our hearts, even dermatologists who said it makes a huge difference for our skin, and I was like, okay, I truly need to figure this out. Then I found O3 Ultra Pure Fish Oil from Puri. The brand was literally created because the founder ran into the same problem as me. He couldn't find anything truly pure enough to take daily. Puri believes in full transparency with all of their products. Every single batch is third-party tested by the Clean Label Project and IFOS, which tests fish oils looking for the highest quality, safety, and purity standards in the world against more than 200 contaminants, heavy metals, pesticides, glyphosate, dioxins, and bisphenols, to name a few, and they always receive a 5 out of 5 star rating. Every Puri bottle actually comes with a QR code so you can scan and see the results for yourself. This is well above the standards of any other fish oil I've found, which is so important to me because if I am consuming something for my health, I don't want it to actually be causing harm. Puri's fish oil is so fresh, you'll never get any gross fishy burps because every batch is tested to make sure it hasn't oxidized and gone rancid. And yes, that is where those burps come from. Do not just take my word. With Puri, you can find 
actual data behind every single batch, which makes Puri a supplement brand that you can trust. Right now, Puri is offering my listeners 20% off their O3 Ultra Pure Fish Oil and all of their great products. Go to my special URL, puri.com slash Liz Moody, and use my promo code Liz Moody. This even applies to the already discounted subscriptions. You will get almost a third off the price. Go to puri.com slash L-I-Z. M-O-O-D-Y. Do not wait. Use promo code Liz Moody at P-U-O-R-I dot com slash Liz Moody. Breathwork is one of my super hacks for life. If you've read 100 Ways to Change Your Life, you know it is one of my top ways to feel calmer because it is so quick and so effective. But if you've never done it before, it might seem a little overwhelming to start out of nowhere. What do you do for how long? Is it just inhaling and exhaling? That is why I take guided breathwork classes right on my phone. It takes the guesswork out of the equation and I don't have any roadblocks in the way that might keep me from doing it in the first place. I absolutely love the open method. It is so simple and it works so well. Open combines breathwork, meditation, and fitness. They also have such a strong, powerful community of people doing it together, committed to personal growth, which is such a great motivator. You can try out research-backed breathwork techniques like James Nestor's famous The Perfect Breath, the 478 method for instant calm and sleep, and also so many science-backed types of meditation like body scans, which we talked about in the insomnia episode with Dr. Jade Wu as an incredibly effective way to reduce stress and fall asleep. There are meditations for eco-anxiety and eco-grief, ones for grief for dealing with fear of death. And they have live classes, which I love because you get a sense of community and you commit to a specific time to show up and do the thing rather than saying like, oh, I'll do it when I have time. I love, love, love those commitment devices whenever we can sneak them in. You can go through the schedule and add in classes for the week, and then you have your stress relief routine sorted, which, as we talked about in the episode with Dr. Alyssa Apple, needs to be a key part of our daily routines, and definitely not enough of us are doing that. You can get 30 days free of open by visiting withopen.com slash Liz Moody. Again, 30 days for free by visiting withopen.com slash Liz Moody. So definitely take advantage of that. It is completely free. So you have zero to lose. And if you've wanted to try breathwork but haven't taken the plunge yet, this is the perfect opportunity. Oh, and if you are in LA, make sure that you check out their new studio to practice with open in person. Taking Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic is a part of my daily routine that supports my whole body health. I think it's critical to understand that when we think of probiotics, it's not just for the gut health issues like bloating and constipation. They support the entire body. Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic has 24 bacterial strains that are scientifically studied to support our digestion, our skin, our heart health, our immune system, and more. Their team of scientists formulated the DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic as a capsule within a capsule that actually survives in the gut rather than being killed by stomach acid before you even get the benefits. The outer capsule is the prebiotic, which research is finding out more and more are so, so important. These are the foods the good bacteria need to eat to thrive. And then it protects the inner capsule, which contains the probiotics so they can actually reach your gut. This is critical. With other products, you might not even be getting the microbiome support you're expecting due to a capsule that doesn't shield the bacteria. 
Seed's team is leading the research that other companies essentially develop products based on down the line. They are so, so committed to science and to evolving their products. So you're getting all of those benefits first. If you would like to try Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic or their PDSO-8 Pediatric Daily Symbiotic for kids and teens aged 3 to 17 and see for yourself why I and so many other people love it, I have an amazing discount for you. You can use code LIZMOODY at seed.com to get 25% off your first month supply. Again, that's LIZMOODY at seed.com for 25% off. Okay. I don't like my career slash job, but I'm not sure what I want to do. And even if I did, I'm not sure I would have the skills for it. It feels like I'm stuck with no way out. How do I take next steps to figuring it out? Okay. So this happened to me when I was doing hair. It's not that I didn't love it, but I knew, you know, my boss was my mentor and she had her own salon and she was always very adamant about getting new clientele. And I was kind of just happy assisting her. And I never was really thinking like, I want my own salon. So I was like, something's wrong here <laughs> because I'm seeing Because you didn't part. have like ambitions in that space. Yeah, I didn't have the drive I saw her have. And, you know, I was giving it a couple more years, but I was like, why don't I have Deanna's drive? I wasn't unhappy. I liked my clients and I loved who I worked with, but something wasn't quite right. And so I'm doing this kind of in reverse because I did not have a plan. That is around when someone else suggested like take an improv class. So I would say... If you don't like your job, but you don't know what else you would like, I think it's too big of a leap to just quit anything. But I would say in the free time that you have and in the weekends, just be exploring different hobbies or things that might feel better that make you, I have to say, even the things in your life that make you feel any sort of joy that you felt as a child you usually still like when you're an adult. Like I've been able to match that up and I'm not saying we can all have like playful jobs, but. I love eating Play-Doh. <laughs> yeah. There's, <laughs> there's a nugget there. <laughs> yeah. Be an ice cream taster. Um, but I would just say like, don't make like a such an emotional decision and let everything go. Cause then that will be too much for you, but just start in your off time exploring just little steps to finding a new passion and, or is there something with the current job you have, some offshoot of that that is more in your lane? It can be really hard to see that there are options, but I do think there are always ones that our brains aren't always showing us. Like, and what I love about your story, too, is that somebody else suggested that you take an improv class and yeah. you said yes. I think sometimes other people can see things in us that we don't even see in ourselves. Like you were voted most likely to be on SNL in high school. And I don't think you would have said, oh, I'm going to be on SNL. But clearly, and then your brother was like, yes, let me pay for the improv class, et cetera. Like people clearly saw something in you. You didn't see in yourself and you didn't need to see it in yourself, but you were open to them pushing you in directions. And I think that's a really cool thing. Yes. I like that you brought that up. Yes. Be aware I was always like a driven person right when I was like 15. I was like, I have to get a job. Just the things that you think you have to do, but it might not have been driving in the right lane. And so, yes, people around you that are maybe a little more forceful than you are, if they are telling you, I see this in you, why not just take the time to listen? And that even goes to Deanna, who I worked at the salon with. She was the one who finally said like, 
you need to leave the salon. Like your heart isn't here anymore. This isn't where you're supposed to be. And I'm like, but I pay rent here. And like, you guys need me and this and that. And it's like, we love you, but it's okay. You can go. And that was a big deal. I think about those people in my life that did that for me. And I'm so grateful. And you can even ask people, like, what do you see in me? Like, I don't know what I want to do. Can you help me out? What would you picture me doing? I think that's really cool. Are you happy you became famous later in your life? I am happy because I just got to evolve as an adult more. And maybe people will meet me and they won't agree. But a lot of people are like, oh, you're so grounded. I get that a lot. And it's like, well, yeah, I got a lot of time to just ground as Heidi, the person I am with the people I love. And now I am sometimes in insane circumstances and I've let those things get to me for sure. But I'm glad, yes, that I got to be an adult. But every so often, you know, you just think about time and the evolution of time and how much time we have. And you're like, well, I wish I was doing this before. I see people on the show that are like 24 and I'm like, lucky. Yeah, I do love though the element of your story. And I do want to point it out because I think it's important where I get messages from people all the time who think they're like, life is over at 30. Mm-hmm. And you experience the greatest career heights of your life after 30. And I think yeah. that's so, so cool. And then even now with this transition that you're going through with dating and things like that, like I think people sometimes feel like their life is over when actually it's just beginning and you're living proof of that. So I do want to just like, I don't know, point that out to people. I think it's so important to internalize. Yeah. It is nice to be just a little older and wiser and have the awareness even to everything that you just said so kindly to like embrace the sweetness of right now. And I bet I had so much of that. And my friend Ego reminded me of that. She tells me to embrace the sweetness of now. I had so many sweet moments in my childhood and my teens and my twenties. And there's some of the best memories, but I don't know that I was sitting in them. I don't know how present I was in them. And now when there's a really sweet moment, even when there's a really heavy moment, like just to have the awareness and be like, whoa, whoa, (laughs) that's a lot to go through as a human, like good or bad. And I'm really grateful, again, just for the reps in life to be Mm. able to have that. Okay. So we asked people to come with one thing they want advice on and then the best piece of advice they've ever been given. Do you have either of those things? Yeah. What do you want advice on? Okay. How do I get better sleep and be more disciplined <laughs> with that? Okay, you're such an interesting scenario because yes. I feel like normally I would say even if you're going to get less sleep, there's really interesting research that shows even if you're going to get less, keeping it to the same times as much as possible okay. is ideal. Okay. I would say anytime you can get sunlight, I would be getting sunlight. Can you guys do that at the office? We can and we don't do it as much as we should because it like takes work to leave the building a little bit, but you're right. Anytime you can get sunlight, I would get sunlight. Also, if you can kind of make the most normal shape of your day because your circadian clock dictates all of the cells in your body, 99% of the cells in your body. So stuff like when you eat, when you work out, all these things actually both function on the circadian clock. So they're impacted by your circadian clock, but they also impact your circadian clock. So even if you kind of set like your own clock for yourself and you ate at roughly the same times within that clock and you picked, 
I don't know, maybe, is there like four of the same hours throughout the week that you're always yeah. could be asleep? Yeah. Like if you're always asleep during those, the whatever the max time you could do, you always did your workout mostly at the same time so that your body starts to get the sense that it's functioning on some type of clock, even if it's not the same clock the rest of us are on. Yeah. You okay. know? <laughs> Love that. Even the reminder of sunlight when I think that it's impossible to get it is a big deal. I'm a huge fan. One of my number one things I love is micro walks, which is just like three minutes. You go out, go around the block. We have such a sense of it has to be a lot to count, but mm -hmm. literally walking around the block, you could go walk around like Rockefeller Center and it makes you more creative. So that's like helpful for your job. Literally yeah. just the vision, like things coming past your vision makes you more creative. The fresh air is good for your brain. It helps your insulin levels. It helps your hormones. It helps your inflammation levels. It helps so many different things in your body. And it's in three to five minutes outside, you know? Okay. That will help. I'm trying to do, I mean, I'm seven hours into it, but this year, a thousand hours outside. I think it's a page, but it's also an app. And my friend who's a mom posted about it just because she wants to do that with her kids. And I was like, I want to do it. And just this week, I have done so many things like micro walks because I'm like, it counts. It and counts. It's, it's interesting because I'll be like on a walk or something, but I might have stopped. I might be looking on my phone. I'm outside. But then I'm like, no, you have to get your steps in. I'm like, no, Heidi, you're doing something different. You're not actually just getting steps. This is just being outside in yes. the sunlight. Well, yeah. and I think especially as women, we have to fight the idea that everything matters in terms of like calories because yeah. it has been trained into yes. our brain. Like I read a Cosmo when I was probably eight years old that like framed everything contextually within calories. So that's why I didn't think microwalks counted for years and years and years because I'm like, yeah. I'm burning 10 calories. Like <laughs> yeah. this, what possibly could this be good for? What is an app called like Get Outside or something? A thousand hours outside. I love that. I'm going to do that for sure. And then <laughs> what is the best advice that you've ever received? Okay. Well, there's two. I will say right now it's embrace and enjoy the sweetness of now and just keeping that in my brain because I loved just that quote so much I loved hearing it even in this moment like thinking about the fact that I've been a listener of yours and that I really wanted to do this I knew I would get something out of it and I get to be like this is just a sweet moment in my life and doing those walks a year ago going through a really sad time in my life I would never know that like now like the sweetness of this moment. So cool. Wait, can I stop you there for yeah. one second? Is there anything you do in the moment to actually embrace the sweetness now? Because I love the sentiment of it so much, yeah. but I find it so hard to do moment to moment. Sometimes I actually do things like celebrate. Sometimes I do actually now jump up and down as an adult. I feel like we all just play it too cool for school. And just to have that moment where how would I react if I were a kid receiving this news right now? And it would be so monumental. I just watched this video today. It was a guy at his gender reveal party with his partner. And they were like, when this man finds out he's having a boy, he acts like he just won the NBA championships. And the way this man celebrated, it was like he just won like seven NBA champions. And I was like, he is embracing the moment, mm. you know, like not judging. But there are so many times you watch those gender reveals and everyone's like, woo. Yeah. Little, like clapping. This man was doing backflips. He is embracing it, you know. Well, and I think sometimes we can worry like we'll be judged or it's not cool to yeah. celebrate. I love the idea of these are your moments to celebrate. Yeah. Like the point of life is to be in these moments and celebrate them. So 
why would you take that away from yourself because of how somebody else might view you? Yeah. Even my older brother, sometimes lately we've had some phone calls where we've just had to like talk about heavy stuff. He's like giving me information and, you know, he tells it to me. We figure out a plan for something. And I'm like, okay, like, and thanks for handling that, Justin. Like, you're so awesome. He's like, of course, you know, we're a team in this. And then he's like, okay, also, let's end this call on a high note. And then he brings up something that's fun to celebrate and enjoy. And it rounds out the whole conversation that started hard in such a good way. And it lets me be like, I am so lucky that I can do hard things with my brother, hard things, fun things, all of it. And we can just like be in both of those moments. That is sweet. That is enjoying and embracing this moment. That is genius advice. Okay. What was the second? I actually don't know who originally said it. I feel like it was like maybe a Buddhist quote, but I heard Kobe Bryant say that it's not the destination, it's the journey quote. And I just really like to really punctuate that because when I think about my life, there are so many things that we think we just like need to get to that thing and everything will feel just right. Like the void inside of you will be filled. You'll be loved. You'll be whole, all this stuff. But like the journey and all the reps, like we talked about the reps that you put into something are so the dream. Like you're just developing who you are and you're developing your taste and how you see the world and who you are in the world. And then you get that thing and it can be an awesome thing and feel so good. But I swear to God, like the people and the places that you meet along the way and the feelings that you have are just better. So that also is like, enjoy those moments, the sweetness of those. But yeah, just remember like on your journey, you might not be to the thing yet, but like so many cool things are happening. And Sometimes the thing, even if it feels so, so good, it's fleeting too. Like the biggest, best accomplishments, if you're just making it about that, either you won't get it and then you'll feel like crap or you will get it and it's just never as lasting as what you want it to be. It doesn't fill the void to your point. I think that's just brilliant advice. I love that so much. I absolutely love this conversation. I so appreciate you coming on. Of course. Thanks for having me. I just loved talking to Heidi. She has such a great perspective on things, and I'm definitely going to be incorporating her advice about the sweetness of present moments into my life. Also, I'm still on my sports journey, but I found what she said super helpful, and I have been watching more games since we recorded the episode. I'm trying to decide right now if it's wrong to have the Chiefs be like my team just because I like Travis Kelsey so much or if that's a fine way to do it. So if you have any thoughts, DM me. Like, do I have to be a 49ers fan because I live in the Bay Area? How does that work? I would love any wisdom that anybody has to offer. If you like this episode, shoot a link to somebody that you think would benefit. And if somebody shared a link with you and you are new to the podcast, welcome. I'm so glad that you're here. Make sure that you're following on whatever platform you like to listen on. All you have to do is go to the main podcast page. That's the one that lists all of the Liz Moody podcast episodes, and you'll see the word follow under the logo on Spotify. And then there's a little follow with a plus sign button on the top right of that same page on Apple Podcasts. This way you will not miss out on any new episodes. They will appear right in your feed every single Wednesday. And we have some amazing episodes coming up two days from now. I will be releasing an episode where I sat down with the Gottmans, who are the most iconic duo in couples psychology, and they're going to teach us how to fight better. So you definitely do not want to miss out on that. 
Okay. I love you so much. And I will see you on Wednesday in two days for the next episode of the Liz Moody podcast. It takes a lot for a health supplement company to wow me, but Symbiotica really breaks the mold. If you haven't discovered them yet, they make really different products than any other supplement company I've seen before. They have a lot, so I highly recommend that you check out their website and take their quiz to find out what's best for your specific goals, but I wanted to call out a few of my personal favorites. First of all, the topical magnesium. You all know I love magnesium, and I've always wanted a topical spray that wasn't sticky, that felt good and luxurious to use, and that actually let the magnesium absorb into my body, which requires DMSO as an ingredient, which I have actually never seen in any other product. If you have achy muscles or sore feet, this is literal heaven, and I also love it before bed to help with sleep. And then I have become increasingly interested in minerals. We talk a lot about vitamins, but adequate minerals are so key for energy. And unfortunately, it's become harder to get adequate minerals because our soil is so depleted of them. The Symbiotica Shilajit supplement is one of the best mineral supplements that I've found. And the research around Shilajit is profound. There's robust human and animal research that shows it acts on ATP in a way that significantly helps restore and create energy, which is one of the biggest things that I love it for as a low-caffeine consumer. There's also robust research around its anti-inflammatory properties, its brain-protective properties, and more. I think of it more as a whole food than a supplement. It's a naturally occurring resin, and I just mix a little bit of it into my afternoon tea or my decaf coffee drinks. And like all Symbiotica products, there are no additives, fillers, toxins, or artificial flavors. Of course, I have a special discount for you. You can use code LizMoody to get 15% off plus free shipping on subscription orders. Again, that's code LizMoody for 15% off on symbiotica.com.